Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps whispers or even laughter you go to check you feel a presence behind you and then the fear sets in i'm k-town and you're listening to paranormal fears been writing since I was about eight years old. Of course, that was when I was just learning uh, that I couldn't write, but I wanted to, you know. Um, I'm working on uh, a book right now called Followed Out of the Light. It's actually, um, excuse me, it's a story that kind of deals with a memoir of my own lifetime of experiences dealing with the paranormal and um, having a uh, an NDE, a near-death experience, when I was around 15 years old that kind of just, um, you know, accelerated um, the experiences that I was having, the paranormal experiences I was having. And it really, over the years, uh, has morphed into something to where I realized that there's a possibility that um, all of these haunted houses that I continue to seem to end up moving to uh, may not have been uh, haunted to begin with, um, you know, that other people that have lived in them never experienced anything. It may be me that is just a magnet for these type of experiences. And so this has been kind of a uh, self-exploration as I've been working on this project for quite some time. Um, there's another series that I'm working on as well that is going to be absolutely so much fun. And I've traveled a lot and explored. And, of course, I've been a paranormal researcher all my life. Um, and um, I've been into a lot of places and researched a lot of places, anything from, you know, Winchester House in San Jose, California, to uh, the Lizzie Borden murders. Uh, of her parents, you know, back in the late uh, 19th century. So um, there's that particular series is going to kind of those settings of different things that are famous uh, paranormal stories in America. Um, There'll be central themes in some of that series that's coming up. It'll be a fictional series with a strong lead female character, but um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very interesting, so it'll be uh, worth talking about. Um, What I've been working on uh, this uh, lately, or the Haunted series that we're going to be talking about tonight, that's what you were asking me, right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. So the Haunted series we're going to be talking about tonight is a series that I've worked on for about four years. Now, this is uh, mainly about uh, haunted history in Mississippi. Uh, I grew up uh, as a young child uh, between Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I absolutely love Tennessee. Uh, it's my birth state. And, uh, but I spent a lot of time as a child between Memphis and North Mississippi um, as a child growing up. And um, much of my life was here in Mississippi. And so I learned a lot about the history here and, of course, having the paranormal uh, influence as well with all of my experiences and things. It just kind of led me to the place where I am now, to where I've just explored these stories. And so I spent the last four years 
doing a combination of research that involved having to sit in a library or visit these sites all the way to actually conducting paranormal investigations uh, at many places. And so it was it's really been fascinating. It's been a fascinating journey. But the first book in this series, there are four books. The first book in this series involves Tupelo, Mississippi, which is the birthplace of Elvis Presley for any of you Elvis fans out there. Um, this is the cradle of rock and roll. <laughs> this is where it all started. And so this city, though, has a very rich and unique uh, past. And it, there is quite a, a bit of haunted history here. That's what's in the first book. The second book involves um, actually the Native American territory. So uh, it branches out a little bit and, and goes into some other counties. Um, so that is very, it was very, very interesting uh, in doing that research. And actually book two is where I had um, the scariest place and the scariest story that I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, and we'll talk about that, but uh, there is a story there that is, um, it's unlike anything that I have ever uh, I've been exposed to in the paranormal. It is, uh, it is evil, so prepare yourself for that. Um, the third one is a town called Columbus, Mississippi, that actually is the second most um, antebellum homes in Mississippi, that particular city, and it covers the haunted history there. There was an investigation that we did there that was, um, it was unnerving. It definitely was. And then the fourth book is On the Haunted Trail. So that particular book uh, has got a combination of really everything in Mississippi, um, some different sites, and some also some investigations that we did. One in particular that I remember is a house called Fernwood that is located in Macomb, Mississippi, near um, the Gulf Coast. And uh, it's actually about 45 minutes um, outside of New Orleans. And that particular house is, um, I mean, that house comes alive at, at night. It is, it's, it's like it has its own personality. So we'll talk about that as well. That is interesting. Mississippi is, um, I think the entire state's probably haunted. It's just unreal. It really, it really is. I love hearing stories though about Mississippi. I've had a couple of people on the show to talk about Mississippi, including you. Uh, one guy is a professor at a college believe it or not gets paid to actually go to all these haunted locations and bed and breakfast and spend a night and and write books about it you know and it's just amazing his job's amazing um all right so your haunted series and this is volume one and that is available on amazon i was going to ask you sydney is this also on audiobook or no i didn't see it uh, but... it is it is not on audiobook yet, uh, but it is available in uh, on Kindle and in paperback. Gotcha. So either are, one. are you going to mm -hmm. put it on audiobook? Yes, I have plans to put it on audiobook. Book. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. All right, so let's talk about uh, Mississippi, and I want to know uh, your research. Let's talk a little bit about your research. What was the deciding factor on whether or not you put a certain place or a home? in your book how did you make that decision i mean like i said you know mississippi's got a ton of haunted places but how did you go about that right so basic that's a very good question actually um because there, i get a lot of, of people that message me and and ask me you know can you come out to here and you know and and uh, i'm having this this and this go on and things like that there has to be something that moves me that is truly truly unexplainable that it is uh an interesting phenomena also that it's been experienced by multiple people um that kind of thing so the, uh, there's a lot of factors that that influence that um I try not to get put myself in a situation to where I go and um, to someone's house or something to help them rid uh, their home of ghostly activities just simply because sometimes it's not safe, uh, you know, for you to go into places that you don't know what you're walking into, um, spiritually wise or, or otherwise, you know, if you don't know 
the particular people that that you're going to see and and that kind of thing. But I do try to to always give them to collect some information um, from them through email or or sometimes they'll contact me on Messenger and they'll tell me some things that they're experiencing and and um, things like that and I'll try to help them in some way. Um, but Mainly the criteria that I go by when I when I'm looking at something is that there's usually a uh, there's a background story, there is a lot of history to the particular place. There's been let's say numerous reports of paranormal activity, and it just really becomes bookworthy. You know, it's it's bookworthy. Uh, it's a bookworthy story that needs to be told, and. Um, that's how it ends up with me in between the pages of my books. So I'm going to go back and ask you questions uh, about some of the things you just said, but I'm wondering, and what I find fascinating, and there's a place here in Tennessee I'm going to ask Kim where it is. It's not too far from where we live, live at, and I know you're going to probably want to go. Maybe you and I can go see that together, but it's a place where multiple tragedies have happened, like strange, freakish stuff where people have died, you know, in the craziest ways. Yeah. Are, are there any places like that in Mississippi that well, are haunted as well? Well, I will tell you, when you tell me that kind of thing, uh, the main thing that I look at uh, are, yes, that I have, to answer your question, there are places where there has been multiple tragedies um, or death, and some of those are on battlegrounds. And so, you know, people will will say to me, why why is Bryce's Crossroads so haunted? You know, or why is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania so haunted? And and I tell them, I say, look, you you've got to realize that the energy that was expelled at that moment, um, that so many people, there was so much death at one time, and you know, it it you have people crossing over into another realm at that, you know, very quickly. And it's almost as if it creates a portal. And so it, there's so much of this and there's at one time that it seems to, um, to be the focus of, of why the haunting is occur occurring to begin with. Now, why is there multiple, uh, accidents at the same location? That's very interesting, and it, I start to wonder sometimes when I hear of things like this to where there has been, uh, I heard of something recently about a place not too far from here. A lady contacted me and said that several there had been like three suicides on the property um, within, I don't know, the last 20 years or so or whatever, or might have been even uh, lesser time than that. I'm trying to remember exactly what she said. And I thought to myself, when I did a little bit more research on that, and she sent me some pictures of something that she was able to capture that was happening on our front porch. And it was absolutely the most disturbing thing ever. But um, no, no, I, no, 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 no. You got to <laughs> you got to tell us what okay, it was. So, so whenever whenever she sent me this video. This lady had uh, uh, to, to to finish my thought on why I think that this may have happened. I did some research on. I asked the right questions. I found out about the history of the property, what it had been years before. Think, you know, you've got to consider too the geology of the area, all of those things too. Um, and it was a Native American. I mean, it's it's got lots of Native American um, history there. Could have been an actual burial ground. There could be, you know, uh, Indian graveyard in the area. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but she was. It was raining outside, and she had go. She'd been having lots of paranormal activity in her home over the months, and. Um, it was getting to the point where it was just driving her crazy and it was starting to um, to really upset her son. She goes out on the front porch and she starts to video this strange anomaly that she sees on her front porch. And it looks like, uh, it looks like a cloud. It looks like a cloud, literally. It is this cloud in the, in a, in a big, a big, huge cloud 
that is floating there on her porch and out of the crowd, it's raining now, keep in mind that it's raining, rain is pouring off of her porch and, you know, off of the, the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, I don't know why I can't think. The gutters the and stuff. The yeah, gutters. the gutters. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine just went blank. Uh, coming out of the gutters and whatnot. But lightning. Lightning was coming out of this cloud-looking formed thing. And it would move. It would actually move and 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 shift its shape. And there was one point even in the video where it looked like that it was becoming transparent, where you could actually start to see straight through it. And that was crazy to me. Um, My first feeling about that when I saw that was that it was some sort of portal, that something was actually about to manifest out of that. Um, I also thought that it could have been extraterrestrial uh, for a moment until I started asking the other questions about the paranormal activity that had been going on in her home and with her son. So when I got more into asking some certain questions, I realized that what I believed that we were dealing with was was strictly paranormal. And um, long story short... Uh, I did recommend that she get, um, she needed to have the land needed to be cleaned, it needed to be cleared. In other words, um, her home needed to be cleansed. Um, she what, what was she experiencing, though? Can you tell us some of the things that her and her son Well, had? I can tell you, you know, um, she had, she said that one of her family members had started feeling uh, suicidal as well. And so that's, scary because there was already a history of that oh i got you okay so this is the property that experienced multiple suicides yeah got you okay go ahead yeah and Mm -hmm. so uh anyway she was telling me these things as well they would have cap you know they had the typical uh poltergeist type activity that would happen um you know cabinet doors would open and shut um they would actually see things they would catch things corner of their eye. Uh, the son uh, woke up to a full-bodied apparition standing at the end of his bed. He had never seen the person before, uh, not as a living person, but it was a full-bodied apparition. It was um, uh, female, and uh, they were experiencing being touched and things like that. And the, you know, some of the things that they disclosed were very personal so I would never um, tell these things but the overall feeling that came from this was um, this was a situation that the place needed to be cleansed and they really they need help beyond what a paranormal investigator can give them now as a paranormal investigator paranormal investigator can go in and collect evidence and can make a, a you know can come to a hypothesis of, of what they believe is going on, but at the end of the day, you're going to, you have a spiritual situation that if you're not, you know, if you're not qualified to deal with that, then you need to find someone who is, you right, know? Right. And so you need to, um, <laughs> you, you can call a shaman or a shaman or, or you can call your local priest, which is what I would have done. Um, and I suggested that she have someone who could come over and do, and we, of course, we told her, um, that she should, some things that she could do in the meantime, as far as cleansing type rituals and, and practices and things, um, that she could do to feel a little bit, a little bit better. Um, the good news is, is that she actually let us know after doing some of the things that we had suggested she do. Um, she said that she felt that the energy was lighter. And I said, well, that's significant. That's good news. Did she tell you, so, did she tell you how these people killed themselves? Was it, was it all the same or did they use different methods? Uh, different methods, different methods. What parts of the house did they do it? And did she well, share that with fact, you? Well, in fact, one of them, in fact, it was not inside the house where the, the suicides had happened. It was like within, on the property. 
So we're talking about a hanging. Mm. We're talking about a gunshot, that kind of thing. And this is the, this this is what you need to know, is that that particular property had a lot of things going on. What was happening there was not confined to the inside of that home. Oh, so it was happening me? around the outside of it too. Yes. So you're with me. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just confined to the inside of that home. These were, in fact, there was, you know, things that she would say that we had seen somebody walking down the uh, the driveway and, and things like this. And they would be like not there. They would disappear. So you're talking about a property that, I mean, for all we know, it could be a graveyard. Yeah. Uh, there could have been something else more significant that happened years and years and years ago. But we do know, based on the... Uh, geography of the area that uh that area was you know native american land yeah uh, mm. you know 100 150 years ago 200 years ago rather uh it was native american territory so gotcha. you're dealing with some things like that and you know you get into a whole different bag of paranormal things when you deal with native american uh, culture and you know everything. Yeah, some of their burial grounds and things like that Correct. are just, you, just amazing yep. phenomena that you hear reported around those areas. Um, okay, so let's move on. I want to talk about uh, Woody's Steakhouse. Um, that's in your oh, book as well. Did you go there first right. of all? Is my first question for you. Oh goodness, I go there. I still go there regularly. <laughs> Pretty regularly to eat, and they have delicious steak. It is Tupelo's uh, um, haunted restaurant here in town. I don't know that they necessarily want that to be their marketing ploy uh, <laughs> to get to get people there. Hey, we're a haunted restaurant, but that restaurant actually is the scene um, of um, something that happened in, in, in my debut novel, The Haunting of Natalie Bradford. Um, that actually, uh, that uh, Woody's restaurant centers uh, uh, around that particular story um, very de- predominantly because that's where it began. But uh, Woody's is also has got a, a very interesting past. Of course, we've had um, over the years uh, built back in the middle of the 20th century, and um, it housed lots of um, celebrities, musicians that would come. Uh, that would travel down from Chicago. It was the route, Woody's was on the route from Chicago to the Gulf Coast. It was Highway 45. And so whenever you would drive from Chicago down to the Gulf Coast, you would come through and you would pass Woody's restaurant there. And a lot of times they would they would have, uh, it wasn't Woody's back then, it was called the Rex Plaza. But Johnny Cash came through, Elvis Presley stayed there, um, Tammy Wynette stayed there, Robert Duvall was here, Joan Crawford. So it has quite a different, you know, it's got a very interesting past. They used to have during the era of Prohibition, um, they had some gambling and some uh, different types of things going on upstairs on the second floor. As far as their haunted activity, um, they've had a ghost for many, many, many years. Um, he's shown himself, do believe that it is male. He has shown himself in the kitchen area downstairs. Um, he's been seen wearing a, a black light coat, like a trench coat, and they just get a glimpse of him walking through at different times. He likes to move things around a lot. He usually is active from about 10 o'clock um, until, you know, until after midnight. That's when people have experienced him that have been working there. Um, the thing about Woody's, though, the facility is they have more than one ghost. Um, they also have the ghost of a Civil War soldier who possibly was an officer. Um, he was seen, he used to appear every night at 3 o'clock a.m., uh, to a gentleman who was renting a room there because the the restaurant is also a, a motel, operated also as a motel. And he rented a room there for a while. 
for about three months. And every night about three o'clock, he would wake up and he said, I, I would literally be just wide awake. And there he was sitting in the chair by my bed, just looking at me. And he said, this went on night after night after night. And he said, when it first happened, I was so stunned and so scared that I was literally just paralyzed. But he said he was in full uh, uniform, and he was just sitting there just staring at him. He wow. he didn't mm. try to get up and move or, or, or anything like that. But he said it got kind of scary, scarier. Uh, as time went by, he said, I started waking up, and he was standing by the bed. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. And I said, that would be enough for me. I would have told him you're going to have to, you know, you, you're going to have to stop that. But, um, you know, it's it's so interesting because you have to do the history of a location if you want to uncover the mystery of the ghost that you're dealing with or who it could possibly be or even why it's happening. Yeah. And um, that, that was going to be my question. Do you, cause that's the fascinating part of it. You know, you want to know like right. who is in there and why, like the gentleman that you mentioned in the trench coat that appears in the kitchen and things was, I mean, do they think that was someone that used to work there Stay there. No. Why is he? Who is that? Who is that person? Probably not. He's been there for a long, long time. Uh, and here's the here's the thing. Now, the Civil War guy. Here's the thing about uh, where the restaurant is. That was also a Confederate campground. When you back this up, you back this area up, and its history. Uh, as far back as you can go, and you go back to the 1800s, and you go, why am I seeing, you know, why is this guy seeing a Confederate soldier sitting by the side of his bed, and he's wondering, what the heck are you doing here, you know? Um, you go back, and you're going to have to spend time in the archives, you know? You've got to dig, and you've got to find out about the history and the of the land and what was there and things like that. When I did all of this research and uncovered this stuff, I uncovered a number of different things. Number one, that was a Confederate campground. Number two, there also were several horse thieves that were hung, hanged in the area. Um, they were apprehended after they were caught stealing horses. And they were uh, executed by hanging right then on the spot. In fact, in the neighborhood that is behind this restaurant, a couple of streets over, there is a house that their backyard um, has 27 horse thieves that are buried there. And one of the ladies that she's she's grown now, but when she was a young girl, she said, you know, growing up, uh, I will tell you that I remember looking out my back, my uh, window, my bedroom window on the second floor of my home, and I would see these people, these men in these in these uh, uniforms, like old timey Civil War uniform, and they would be walking across my backyard. And I saw them all the time. But she said, you know, you don't tell people this because who are you going to tell? Right. You right. know, who are you going to tell? Are they going to think you're crazy and that kind of thing? So she Is said, she seen the I horses too or is she just seen the She did not soldiers. see the horses. She did not see the horses. But I will tell you that in some areas that are, uh, I mentioned Bryce's Crossroads, that's in the first book that we're talking about right now. People have reported hearing uh, horses galloping in the area. They see uh, you can drive down that the highway that leads to the battlefield, and there's numerous, numerous reports of seeing soldiers walking on the road because they think they're walking home, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But they they are absolutely on, and that was. Um, uh, it was a Confederate victory at the Battle of Bryce's Crossroads, but it was uh, still, it was a bloody, you know, it was a bad, it was a bad, um, bad sight. Um, there was still a lot of death and things like that. Let and me stop you right very, there real quick um, before I forget this. You said 27 horse thieves. Right. 
in okay, and this is someone's yard right now. Is this it is? <laughs> Holy moly, that's crazy. So okay. let me ask you something. How did you find that out? I mean, did 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 they already know that, or is that something you came across well, during your research? You know, you've got to you. They they did know that, but this is things to keep in mind that in certain towns and cities across America, and especially in the South, the smaller towns and things, a lot of these stories are written down in people's journals and their diaries. They're passed down from family to family to family, and they, they uh, some of them even become like legends. So you do have to go backwards, and sometimes you have to do some interviewing and things like that. Um, you interview lots of different people to try to get to the truth. You know, that's why I tell people all the time, when you're reading history books, you can read two different accounts and you'll get kind of a different, uh, you know, perspective on what actually on which, happened. Yeah. Were they were they willing to talk to you or were they hesitant to share I've those things with you? Had, you know, it, it's knock on wood. I've never had any, uh, n- not really any problem. Uh, getting people to talk to me if I'm, you know, when I'm doing research. If I tell them, hey, I would, can, do you mind if I come out and talk to you? I'm collecting um, some, doing some research on a particular story and I'm working on a book. No, that'll be fine. You know, most of the time people are excited because they want, they're, they're happy that somebody's interested in their story and what they know. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times they, they want to talk. They want to tell, and they're excited about that. So, um, so yeah, a lot of time, most of the time, I've not had any trouble. Um, okay, so let's go to something else. First, let me ask you this before I ask you something about your book. Um, I'm really interested in, like, murder houses that may be um, haunted. Yeah. Like, houses where, you know, maybe whole families have gotten Oh, uh, murdered um are any of those in your book or is that something that you actively okay. seek out or research or okay i'm gonna tell you something about this and the murder house i am telling you if you are an empath and your listeners if they understand i'm sure a lot of them understand what i mean uh what an empath is or a sensitive um, if you are an empath and you're the type of person that you can walk into a place and you can feel the energy in the room, um, let's say even you walk into a room and there's just been a very bad argument and you walk in and you feel just like, you know, why do I feel so weird in here? It feels like, you know, this anger or something. And you find out that, yes, there was just a really bad argument there. That's an empath. Uh, that's a sensitive. If you're one of those people and you go into a place such as a a house where someone has been murdered, I am telling you, it's like walking into, it. it's horrible. It's like walking into a spider web, a, a big one, a really, really big one, that, and you can't get that off of you. It's like icky. Um the residual energy, you will you will feel that. I am telling you, you will feel it. I have been in these places before, and depending when, on when you say how, residual, though, are you talking about like the actual victims doing something over and over, or screaming, or you hear I'm, sounds yes, from the murder? I'm talking or something? about it's they're like residual energy is a, it's like a time stamp. Right, it's like a yeah, you know. Now, does that mean that there is uh, that there's not, you know, an into an intelligent haunting there? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means though that when that murder was going on at that moment, it created an energy uh, ex- expulsion at that moment on with the victim, and it's like a time stamp. It's like a tattoo in air. And when you are walking into this situation, if you are an empath, a lot of times you can feel that. If you're a clairvoyant, uh, which usually clairvoyance, that's a, a term that's used interchangeably, uh, you know, between being an empath and a sensitive. But if you are clairvoyant, you're, you may have visions. You may actually experience 
seeing the past and what was going on at that moment. And it can be extremely traumatic for you. So when you go in, I have been into these places, and this is this is the part I was going to tell you. When we get into talking about, you know, the Haunted Series Volume 2, this was the worst. I am telling you it was the worst situation that I think that I've ever uh, dealt with. And it took me... It took me a while. It took me a few weeks to, to like, get rid of that. Do you understand when, what I mean? Like when you have a cold. Let's say yeah. when you have a cold and you take medicine and it takes you a few days to get over it and you start to feel a little bit better. Walk into a murder house or walk into a place where there has been something that is so vile that has happened and you're going to be you can't take enough baths. Are you with me? You can't take enough. You can't get into enough, <laughs> you know, uh, saltwater baths to cleanse your aura, to get rid of the ickiness that you feel, because that's what I feel like. It's like I'm absorbing that energy. What about, so what about any of them being haunted, like murdered, like haunted? I might've had this on years and years ago, but what about haunted crime scenes? Uh, specifically the houses where these where these murders occur it's terrible so you'll have situations to where they may be haunted by the victim uh, of course that uh, was there because they experienced a traumatic death um, but here's the thing um, if if the if the killer was uh, was arrested and prosecuted and ultimately, you know, sent to prison or taken off the streets or whatever the case, that's something that you can convey to this tormented soul. If you can make that connection and if you can talk to them, if you have that gift of mediumship and you're able to actually uh, converse with them, you may, maybe they don't know that. Uh, a lot of times they're so traumatized, but they are, they're in agony. You understand that a, that a soul that is still, they're reliving that. And if you can, um, they need, they need to be healed themselves and to understand that they can go on into the light and that kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, if you have got a situation like the Lizzie Borden murders, uh, you know, that's an un, um, <laughs> that has never been solved. Um, it's an unsolved murder case from the late 19th century. And so you've got ha a haunting that's going on there. And it may be that soul is not going to rest until they are vindicated. And it's going to be in it, and it's torture. Sometimes, too, I will tell you this. Sometimes I think that when you walk into, I will tell you that I do believe this uh, based on the Devil's Den. I'll go ahead and tell you that's in book two. The Devil's Den story is, uh, I feel like that what happened there and, and that kind of situation and things, and, and in murder houses as well, when something like that happens, sometimes I think that there is, it was so evil, it was so vile that it opens up a portal or something evil that was maybe in that person that committed the crime, they hang around. So, you know, it's not necessarily just that you're dealing with the soul of the deceased person, the victim. You may be dealing with the horrible negative energy that caused it. You might as well go ahead and so, tell us what happened to Devil's Day. <laughs> I may forget on the next interview what the happened there. And I've never heard of that before. What is that? You have it. And that is what I called it. And it is, uh, I will tell you, it's kind of, uh, kind of a little bit of a long story, but I, I'll tell you what I'll do to, uh, Nope. Don't so do it. Don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. We'll, we'll get to it. You said I have it. Which book we'll is it in? It. Which book is it in? It's, it's in number two book. 
Okay. But I will, just so your folks understand, and so that they're not just uh, chomping at the Yeah, so I'm getting right mad now. at me. <laughs> it's I, like, why is she telling anything? Bit. I'm just going to tell you this. Yeah. Uh, if you, do you remember, do you remember the haunt, uh, the, um, the Amityville horror? Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. how that uh, Ronald DeFero, am I saying his last name right? He, DeFeo, he was DeFeo. DeFeo. Mm-hmm. They said that he was basically somebody that was on drugs and all this other stuff. On the other hand, there's also, the, the I remember reading about this man saying that I was under the influence of something that told me to kill my family. All right? So was he possessed? Was he spiritually oppressed? Uh, was he, and I believe he was, and I believe that even though he might have been doing drugs, you are opening Pandora's box if you are doing recreational drugs. Um, you don't, you, you're not in control of your body yeah. at that time. And you're spiritually weak. Away. You're weakening. And you're spiritually, yeah, spiritually weak. weak. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. you can, you can open up, uh, the door to so many bad things. And do I think that Ronald DeFeo, or if, I may not even say his name right, DeFeo, was spiritually oppressed or possessed? Absolutely 100% yes. Was he on drugs and alcohol and doing different things? Probably was, but he he opened that doorway. But this is what you're going to hear about that happened at the Devil's Den. Same type of situation where not necessarily the drugs necessarily and all of that. There was uh, maybe some alcohol involved, but there was um, maybe a mental illness. And uh, people also, children and people who are mentally ill and suffer with depression and things like that, unfortunately, sometimes they're targets. And so there's things that we have to do, um, you know, just to protect ourselves. Everybody does. Everybody has to do that because, you know, you don't want the negative ones coming in. But the neat thing about the, the, the first volume was uh, you asked me about Woody's. Is there somebody where else that you want to ask about? Oh, I want to talk to you about the Lee County Courthouse. Is that supposed to be haunted? The Lee, uh, the Lee County Courthouse. Um, it's beautiful. And um, I used to give some tours downtown, uh, and I would do walking tours uh, in the area and uh, would take folks around. The Lee County Courthouse, actually, before the courthouse was there, it was the um, it was part of the headquarters for Nathan Bedford Forrest during the uh, Civil War campaign here uh, in the Battle of Tupelo. So that's where he kept his horses and his wagons and that kind of thing on that lot. But what they, what people experience there are the, the stories that have been handed down. And, and again, they probably would not like <laughs> to be known as the haunted courthouse in Lee County. But it is very pretty. It's been there since 1905. Uh, that particular one, they had two that had burned before. And then this one was erected. But um, they hear things. Um, some of the people that have worked in there that have been in there after hours have reported hearing huge boxes and things falling, um, noises and things from the second floor. And, you know, that just makes me wonder what's going on upstairs. Um, so those are the, there are people that have said that they've been touched when they've been walking up the stairs from the first floor. And there are people who have said that they feel like they're being followed. So um, I did interview uh, many people. I went all over the courthouse when I was doing some research, uh, getting that story together. And uh, it was really, it's always fun whenever you do these interviews and you ask me, okay, so have you ever had any paranormal experiences? And they'll look at you, you know, and they'll say, paranormal? And I mean, yeah, like a ghost. And they'll just giggle. Some of these people just get so, they'll just giggle and laugh. And they think it's just the funniest thing. 
And they'll say, oh, no, no, no. And then I walk next door to a different room and I ask the same question. And they'll say, well, let me just tell you. <laughs> so, you know, you hear, you hear uh, it's the difference. And the people, some people don't experience anything at all. And then you have some that they, it's like they're a magnet. It's like they experience everything. And see, that's the way I feel about myself. But I feel that I have been a magnet for paranormal activity since I first experienced it when I was eight years old. And I feel like that after that near-death experience, I almost drowned. It was, it was, oh, my God, it was, trans, you know, it's transformational. But after that experience, it's like everything was just, it just blew up. It's just been nuts ever since and it's like I even made a list one day I sat down and I got to thinking about this and I was going how many haunted houses have I really lived in and I got to looking at this and I got to writing down all the places that I've moved to places that I've lived and uh and then I started looking at that and I found maybe one or two to where there wasn't anything significant that went on so then I examined areas of my life and maybe some things that I was going through or changes, anything that would cause the activity. And I couldn't exactly match everything, you know, what I'm talking about. Uh, I couldn't get things that were necessarily parallels to each other or that would make sense. And I came to a conclusion after examining uh, the areas where these houses were the locate the 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 history, that kind of thing, and then what I was experiencing, I just started feeling like either either I'm haunted, and I am taking this from one location to the next, or I am a person who, no matter where I go, ever doesn't matter where I move to in my lifetime, if there is ghostly activity or anything. I'm going to be that person that experiences it, that catches it. Yeah, and sometimes that does happen to, I think it happens to a great deal or a great number of people, just no matter where they go, I mean, just paranormal activities attracted to them. There's one last one I want to talk to you about because we're running out of of time, but this one's called Habner. Wait a minute, am I saying this right? Let me look in your book. Hibner. Yeah, Hibner. Hibner. Haunting on Hibner. Yep. Wow, it, this was, sounds amazing. Was, Tell us about that one. That was rough um, on that particular one. Um, that was very interesting. Uh, there was a um, levitation. Uh, there was a the person that was living inside that house experienced uh, being, uh, you know, lifted out of the bed. Uh, here's the interesting thing. Guess where Hibner Street is? It is actually located just right behind Woody's Restaurant. Oh, wow. So the only thing, the only thing that is separating that house where that happened and the parking lot of the Rex Plaza, which was Woody's Restaurant, is a creek. That's it. Yeah. And, and a creek, a creek is the water is a conductor of oh, energy too. Oh, so that's interesting. What else happened in that house? Well, that particular house too. Uh, there was a, you. If you read that story, I believe that I told about this. They had some friends come over one night, and the friends actually they were skeptics. Now the wife, I don't think was, but the husband was totally a skeptic and just, you know, uh, no, that's not possible, whatever, whatever. Uh, he was getting out of the car and was walking into the to the house and uh, all of a sudden just stopped and started looking around because he said somebody was walking behind him and he could hear their feet shuffling in the grass. And it was such a traumatic thing at that moment that he took uh, the owner of the house and himself and they went all around the property and he just absolutely, he was just baffled. And he 
became like a believer from that point on because it was so uh it was amazing he said he said i am telling you uh this is what happened and da 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 actually his wife became spooked and left they didn't even stay um she she got scared and she left but you know she was a believer in everything and he i don't even know if they came back i don't remember what the rest of that story was if they ever came back to the house to visit them um but anyhow that was um there was weren't they hearing something upstairs go ahead i don't want to just i'm trying oh, to let yeah. you they remember. were they were hearing things upstairs in the attic the 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 woman the lady of the home uh would go to sleep every night her husband would leave to go to work and it was like it was like a marching band that would start up in in the attic and never could find anything there was no explanation whatsoever so uh, they ended up leaving and um, moving. You know, they sold the house after a while and, and ended up leaving. But um, it was unbelievable. It was crazy. And who the lives there now? I mean, it's the same. Has it been the same the uh, last, type of experiences from family to family that, that live in the house? You know what? There, there was uh, the family before them that I wrote about. Um uh, they rented the house and never experienced anything. But the family that owned the house prior to the, the little rental couple, they're the ones that actually told these people that I wrote about that there was a haunting. But they didn't tell them that until after they sold them the darn house. Wow. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, anyway, as far as I know, the last time I checked, the last research I, I did, there was a lady that lived there, just a um, – just a um, you know, maybe middle-aged lady that lives there. And um, as far as I know, nobody has reported anything. But you know what? The new owner, I don't, I did not contact any of them because I don't want to. And I did not put the exact location because I would not want to upset them. You understand? Do you, yeah. You, oh, yeah. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're not experiencing anything, you wouldn't want to do that to somebody. So, um all right. Yeah. Um, tell me this. That was that was great. And that's why I love talking about Mississippi is so haunted. But tell me about something else like that didn't make your book or something you wanted to write about. And, you you know, you haven't quite gotten there yet, like maybe a haunted hospital or bridges or anything there, like nursing are, homes, there, anything like that. There are haunted roads here in Mississippi. There are haunted um, there are haunted hospitals. There are haunted. Uh, there's the haunted capital of of Mississippi. The, the 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 capital of Mississippi, the actual governor's mansion, is one of the very few, if not the only, or the oldest uh, governor's mansion that still exists in the United States today. But in what kind of stuff down, are they? It's got to be haunted. <laughs> what kind it, of things it, are they experiencing there? Absolutely. There are reports of, of things, that, and it would be po- a poltergeist-type activity. Things move. They hear noises. They hear footsteps, doors opening and closing. It's it's your typical haunting. Uh, nothing, nothing malicious, but at the same time, in order for me to really write about the governor's mansion of Mississippi, which I would love to do and would have liked to have included it, but I need to I need to go down there. Uh, I would need to interview some people, and I would need to have them. They need to be open, you know, to me doing this research and writing about them. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. So, uh, and they do offer tours uh, of the governor's mansion in Mississippi. I believe there's only just a small window of time there, and you can look on their website and actually find um, when they're open. You can actually tour it. You used to could. Um, I don't know what the pandemic has done, but uh, at one time before the pandemic, you definitely could. All right. Now, okay, so I'm saving this last question for you to tell me about one of your favorite, about one of your favorite hauntings or something. You know, maybe it could be something you're doing this for for years. So there's got to be something that stuck with you that, you know, you're like, wow, I'll never forget that experience or hearing about that story or whatever. Well, I will tell you one of, we 
my favorite haunting. That's hard for me to nail down in Mississippi. But, you know, you you mentioned something about Mississippi you like, hearing about uh, the hauntings here. You know, it's a, it's a very rural state. It's it, Unfortunately, it's been last in a lot of things. But it's a very, very rural state, and it's got a lot of history. And um, it's fun and interesting to write about because uh, there's uh, there's not a lot of other things to do right now in Mississippi, but writing is one of them. You get, you've got lots of writers that come out of here. But one of my favorite stories um, about uh, hauntings in Mississippi is the um, supposedly the, one of the most haunted places in Mississippi is the McRaven House in Vicksburg. But now look, there are where 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 is Vicks, Vicksburg at? Where's it? Okay, at? Vicksburg is uh, south South Mississippi. It is uh, you know Jackson. It, I'm in North Mississippi. So Vicksburg, I'm in. I'm about 90 miles um, east of Memphis, Tennessee. So Vicksburg is about four hours south of me. It's down toward, you know, it's going to be closer to the Jackson, Mississippi area, not quite to the coast, but kind of, you know, uh, lower than the lower than the middle part of the state. And um, it's also on the Mississippi River. And it was a big, huge, huge Civil War battle that was there that really turned the, the whole entire tide uh, of the Civil War when uh, Vicksburg was captured. But there are homes there, antebellum homes, that still had cannonballs in their walls from from the cannonball blasts from the, the you know the ships uh, on the Mississippi River during the Civil War. There was, uh, there is a house there called the McRaven House that supposedly has, uh, you know, is considered the most haunted house in Mississippi. It's been named that, but I will tell you, uh, there I've been to a lot of places in Mississippi, and uh, it's hard to really uh, justifiably give one particular place that honor. It's <laughs> being the most haunted uh, to give one particular place the most haunted uh, label because there's there's some places that um, that are, are just incredible. But there's a lot that goes on there. There there are full bodied apparitions that have been photographed that have been seen walking on the veranda. Um, you know, it it's just it's incredible. There's people. In fact, one of the owners. The owner, uh, I would say he was a couple of um, couple of owners before this one that actually has the house now and and has kind of turned it into um, it's not a bed and breakfast, but you can tour it. You can tour it, and it's you know it's um, it's a tourist attraction kind of. But um, one of the owners that lived there, he lived there just for a few months, and they say that he got up in the middle of the night and left. He just said, "I've had it. I've had enough of it." I don't want any more of the ghost at McRaven House. And so the story <laughs> went that he he had experienced he had he had either seen them, heard them, smelled them, felt them, and all of the above to the point that they scared him to death. And he said, "I am done. I don't ever want to go back." And he left, just up in the middle of the night, packed his bags, left. Uh, Was he I seeing even, soldiers? Regular people, not who was he saying? Regular people that had lived there, yes, yes, regular people. There is a man that is said to haunt the house, and there is a woman. Now, the woman, uh, I remember seeing the woman when I visited there, and this has been years and years ago. I stopped there and um, toured the home, and um, she was on the staircase, very petite, very petite woman. Um, dressed in, you know, what you would expect the clothing to be as of 19th century, that her collar had a high collar, and she had, uh, seems like her hair color was not black or real dark, dark brown like mine, but more of a, a lighter uh, brown, but she was, um, I remember her hands were, she had the daintiest, daintiest fingers. 
her hands were just so dainty. And um, she she saw she was, you looking at her and she looked, I mean, she realized you could see her. She was standing near the staircase. Yes. Now, I don't know that she knew she was gone in a really quick. She was there and then she was gone. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I but you didn't make you made eye contact with or she was just looking off somewhere doing. She was looking off. She was actually looking toward the, the front parlor. She was looking to her left. Yeah. If I'm remembering exactly the way the house was set up, it seems like that she was looking to her left. But she was standing there. And I got a glimpse of her. I got to see her just for a minute. And I was just awed, just in awe. And then, of course, she was gone. But I do remember her fingers, her hands, how little she was. You know, I mean, I'm five foot three. But it seems like that, and because you know I'm very short, but it seems like that she was—I don't know—barely five foot. You know, it's funny how uh, when you're younger you think that you're taller and you weigh less and all of those. <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to lie and tell people I was five foot four because that's what they put at when I was in uh, college on the dance line, and they would put me at five foot four. I just was excited about that until I went to the doctor, and they said, "I don't know who told you that, but you're not five <laughs> foot four." <laughs> Got you. I, I was just traumatized funny. by it. <laughs> okay, anyway, and and so she's—they yeah. see her around the house all the all the time. Her and this regularly, pretty, okay. yeah, hmm. pretty regularly. They see her uh, around the, the house. They've seen her. You may even find some pictures. You Google it. Uh, Google that, and there may be a picture. Uh, seems like I've seen a picture online. What and about the male spirit? What about the male spirit? What is he doing? The male spirit, I cannot remember um, much about him. I did not see him. Um, so I don't remember a, a lot about him, but I do remember that there is a man, and it is someone who lived there. It was the former owner. Oh, Possibly gotcha. not mm -hmm. the man who built the house, but the second owner. Uh, in fact, he was, um, some of the Union soldiers killed him. Um, oh, wow. he mm. got mad because they came in or something and messed up his garden. Uh, seems like the Union soldiers were, uh, on his property and, and everything, and he told them to leave. You know, you're not welcome here. You leave or whatever. And um, I don't. The story goes they got they got mad and they came back and they uh, basically uh, took a brick or something and and hit him in the head with it. They killed him, and they say that he still mm -hmm. haunts the property. He's been seen. Wow. So, uh, mm -hmm, what that, about that, children uh, haunting that place? I, I've never heard of children, and I, I that. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody died in childbirth, I believe. Yep. They have heard, uh, seems like they've heard, uh, I don't know if they've heard child, uh, cries of a child, but it seems like I have heard uh, stories about that, about her on the second floor in her room. Really? Yep. Of her presence. Mm -hmm. Yep. But she sure did. I believe she... Um, she may have died during childbirth. That may be why she's still haunting the house. I asked because, you know, I mean, a long time ago, I mean, children didn't live very long. A lot of them right. died at a very right. early age. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a child haunting that home as well. Right, right. But I'll tell you, when when you, um, when I've been out doing some paranormal investigations, uh, sometimes a child ghost that you see, that's that's not a child ghost. That is a imposter. Yeah. And uh, remember I told you about the imposter we saw? <laughs> yeah. That's, I didn't that's see Kim bad. saw it, you know, and I was like, holy. Yeah, I even said that. I said, what is, I mean, how is she having a kid going in that same door and there's no kids in this building at all? And, and I said, that probably stuff. wasn't a kid. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's some bad stuff right there. But yeah, that it was interesting that you mentioned something about when you asked me, did the ghost see me that was at my Craven house? Or, or did we make eye contact? Um, you know, they always look stunned whenever they realize that you can see, see them. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Amazing. You've done a great job tonight. I want to um, go ahead, Sydney, and give you an uh, opportunity to tell my listeners where they can find out more information about you or any other projects you're working on. Okay, so you can visit me on the web. You can go to lsydneyfisher.com. You can sign up if you want, subscribe to a newsletter. You can also find me on uh, Medium at uh, medium.com slash lsydneyfisher, and I post uh, blogs there. So, um, yeah, let's connect, and um, maybe you'll get to enjoy some of these uh, blog postings that I do in between releasing these books. All right. The book is called The Haunted, a Haunted History Series, True Stories for the Ghost Lover's Soul. This is volume one. L. Sydney Fisher, my special guest. Uh, Sydney, many blessings to you, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.